Chapter thirty nine of Sixty Years in Southern California, eighteen fifty three to nineteen thirteen by Harris Newmark. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by K. Hand. Chapter thirty nine Proposed State Division, eighteen eighty eight to eighteen ninety one. By agreement among property owners, the widening of Fort Street from 2nd to 9th began in February 1888. This was not accomplished without serious opposition, many persons objecting to the change on the ground that it would ruin the appearance of their bordering lots. I was one of those, I am frank to say, who looked with disfavor on the innovation, but time has shown that it was an improvement. The widened street, now known as Broadway, perhaps being the only fine business avenue of which Los Angeles can boast. Booth and Barrett, the famous tragedians, visited Los Angeles together this winter, giving a notable performance in the Child's Opera House, their combined genius showing to greatest advantage in the presentation of Julius Caesar and Othello. Toward the end of the seventies I dipped into an amusing volume, The Rise and Fall of the Mustache, by Robert J. Burdett then associated with the Burlington Hawkeye, little thinking that a decade later would find the author famous and a permanent resident of Southern California. Footnote. Dr. Burdett died on November 19, 1914. End footnote. His wife, Clara Bradley Burdett, whom he married in 1899, and who is well known as a clubwoman, has been associated with him in many local activities. George Wharton James, an Englishman, also took up his residence in Southern California in 1888, finally settling in Pasadena, although seven years previously he had been an interested visitor in Los Angeles. James has traveled much in the Southwest, and besides lecturing, he has written ten or twelve volumes dealing in a popular manner with the Spanish missions and kindred subjects. Through the publication by D. Appleton and Company of one of the early books of value dealing with our section of the state, progress was made in the late 80s in durably advertising the coast. This volume was entitled California of the South, and as a scientifically prepared guide was written by two fellow townsmen, Drs. Walter Lindley and J. P. Whitney. Very shortly after their coming to Los Angeles in April 1888, I had the pleasure of meeting Mr. and Mrs. Tomas Lorenzo Duque, with whom I have since been on terms of intimacy. Mr. Duque, a Cuban by birth, is a broad-minded, educated gentleman of the old school. Frederick William Braun established on May 1st at 127 New High Street, the first exclusively wholesale drug house in Southern California, later removing to 287 North Main Street, once the site of the adobe in which I was married. The same season, my brother, whose health had become precarious, was again compelled to take a European trip, and it was upon his return in September 1890 that he settled in Los Angeles, building his home at 1043 South Grand Avenue, but a few doors from mine. The coastline branch of the Santa Fe Railroad was opened in August between Los Angeles and San Diego. W. E. Hughes has been credited with suggesting the second and present Chamber of Commerce, and J. F. Humphreys is said to have christened it when it was organized on October 15th. E. W. Jones was the first president, and Thomas A. Lewis the first secretary. In addition to these, S. B. Lewis, Colonel H. G. Otis, J. V. Watchell, 
a son-in-law of l j rose colonel i r dunkelberger and william h workman are entitled to a great deal of credit for the movement so well known is this institution even internationally and so much has been written about it that i need hardly speak of its remarkable and honorable part in developing southern california and all of the southland's most valuable resources late in the fall the los angeles theater a neat brick edifice was opened on spring street between second and third at that time other places of amusement were the child's or grand opera house mott hall over mott market an unassuming room without stage facilities where adelina patti once sang and where charles dickens jr gave a reading from his father's books and hazard's pavilion at fifth and olive built on the present site of the temple auditorium by mayor h t hazard and his associate george h pike during the boom especially and for a few years thereafter as when in eighteen eighty nine evangelist moody held forth this latter place was very popular and among celebrities who lectured there was thomas nast harper's great cartoonist who had so much to do with bringing boss tweed to justice as nast lectured he gave interesting exhibitions of his genius to illustrate what he had to say and many of his sketches were very effective doubtless alluding to the large audience gathered to do him honor the artist said ladies and gentlemen i will now show you how to draw a big house whereupon he rapidly sketched one on the morning of october twenty first the los angeles times created one of the most noted surprises in the history of american politics making public the so-called murchison letters through which the british diplomat lord sackville west caught strangely napping was recalled in disgrace from his eminent post as british minister to washington in eighteen eighty two george osgoodby located at pomona though of english grandparents osgoodby possessed a strong republican bias and wishing to test the attitude of the administration toward great britain he formed the scheme of fathoming cleveland's purpose even at the british minister's expense accordingly on september fourth eighteen eighty eight in the midst of the presidential campaign he addressed lord west signing himself charles f murchison and pretending that he was still a loyal though naturalized englishman needing advice as how to vote murchison reminded his lordship that just as a small state had defeated tilden so a mere handful of naturalized countrymen might easily carry california the british minister was betrayed by the plausible words and on september thirteenth he answered the pomona farmer at the same time indicating his high regard for cleveland as a friend of england osgoodby gave the correspondence publicity through the times and instantly the letters were telegraphed throughout america and to england where they made as painful an impression as they had caused jubilation or anger in this country how as a consequence diplomatic relations between america and england were for a while broken off is familiar history during the winter of eighteen eighty eight to eighty nine alfred h and albert k smiley twin brothers who had amassed a fortune through successful hotel management at summer resorts in the mountains of new york came to california and purchased about two hundred acres near redlands situated on a ridge commanding a fine view of san timoteo canyon and there they laid out the celebrated canyon crest park more popularly known as smiley heights they also gave the community a public library on account of their connections they were able to attract well-to-do settlers and tourists to their neighborhood and so contribute in an important way to the development and fame of the redlands the city hall was erected during the years eighteen eighty eight to eighty nine on the east side of broadway between second and third streets on property once belonging to l h titus 
as a detail indicating the industrial conditions of that period i may note that john hanlon the contractor look with pride upon the fact that he employed as many as thirty to forty workmen and all at one time another effort in the direction of separating this part of california from the northern section was made in december eighteen eighty eight and here received enthusiastic support general william vandiver then a representative in congress from the sixth district introduced into that body a resolution providing for a state to be called south california soon after a mass meeting was held in hazard's pavilion and a campaign was opened with an executive committee to further the movement but california is still and i hope will long continue to be a splendid undivided territory on january first eighteen eighty nine pasadena held her first rose tournament there were chariot races and other sports but the principal event was a parade of vehicles of every description which moving along under the graceful burden of their beautiful floral decorations presented a magnificent and typically southern california winter sight this tournament was so successful that it has become an annual event participated in by many and attracting visitors from near and far it is managed by a permanent organization the tournament of roses association whose members in 1904 presented Tournament Park, one of the city's pleasure grounds, to Pasadena. Once outdistanced by both Main and Spring Streets, and yet more and more rising to importance as the city grew, Fort Street, a name with an historical significance, in 1889 was officially called Broadway. Fred L. Baker, who reached Los Angeles with his father Milo Baker in 1874, designed in 1889, and when he was but 24 years of age, the first locomotive built in los angeles it was constructed at the baker iron works for the los angeles county railroad and was dubbed the providencia and when completed it weighed fifteen tons on february sixteenth jean louis saint savin everywhere pleasantly known as don louis died here aged seventy three years i have spoken of l j rose's love for thoroughbred horses his most noted possession was Stambul, the celebrated stallion, which he sold for $50,000. At Rosemead, toward the end of the 80s, there were about 120 pedigreed horses, and at a sale in 1889, 50 of these brought $190,000. This reminds me that early April, the same year, Nicolas Covarrubias, in whose stable on Los Angeles Street, but a short time before nearly a hundred horses had perished by fire, sold Gladstone to L. H. Titus for $2,500. General Volney E. Howard died in May, aged 80 years, just 10 years after he had concluded his last notable public service as a member of the State Constitutional Convention. One of those who well illustrate the constant search for the ideal is Dr. Joseph Kurtz. In the spring of 1889, he toured Europe to inspect clinics and hospitals, and, inspired by what he had seen, he helped on his return to more firmly establish the Medical College of Los Angeles, later and now a branch of the university of california in eighteen eighty nine i built another residence at one zero five one south grand avenue and there we lived for several years as in the case of our fort street home in which four of our children died so here again joy changed to sorrow when on november eighteenth eighteen ninety our youngest daughter josephine rose was taken from us at the age of eight years the los angeles public library was once more moved in july from the downy block to the city hall where with some six thousand books and about one hundred and thirty members it remained until april nineteen o six when it was transferred by librarian charles f loomis to the annex of the laughlin building it had then over one hundred thousand volumes in the fall of nineteen o eight it was removed to the new hamburger building
Colonel James G. Eastman, who arrived in Los Angeles during the late sixties, associated himself with Anson Brunson in the practice of law, and, as a cultured and aristocratic member of the bar, became well known. For the centennial celebration here he was chosen to deliver the oration, yet thirteen years later he died in the county poorhouse, having in the meantime sunk to the lowest depths of degradation. Drinking himself literally into the gutter, he lost his self-respect and finally married a common squaw. The early attempts to create another county, of which Anaheim was to have been the seat, are known. In 1889 the struggle for division was renewed, but under changed conditions. Santa Ana, now become an important town and nearer the heart of the proposed new county, was the more logical center, but although Anaheim had formerly strongly advocated the separation, she now opposed it. The legislature, however, authorized divorce, and the citizens chose Santa Ana as their county seat, and thus on August 1st Orange County began its independence. Although the cable lines on 2nd and Temple Streets were not unqualified successes, J. F. Crank and Herman Silver, in 1887, obtained a franchise for the construction of a double-track cable railway in Los Angeles, and in 1889 both the Boyle Heights and the Downey Avenue lines were in operation. On August 3, 1889, the Boyle Heights section of the Los Angeles Cable Railway was inaugurated with a luncheon at the Power House, invitations to which had been sent out by the Boyle Heights Board of Trade, William H. Workman, President, preceded by a parade of cars, and on November 2nd, the official opening with its procession of trains on the Downey Avenue line culminated at noon with speech-making at the Downey Avenue Bridge, and in the evening with a sham battle and fireworks. Some old-timers took part in the literary exercises, and among others I may mention Mayor Henry T. Hazard, Dr. J. S. Griffin, General R. H. Chapman, and the Vice President and Superintendent of the System, J. C. Robinson. The East Los Angeles line started at Jefferson Street, ran north on Grand Avenue to 7th, east on 7th to Broadway, north on Broadway to 1st, east on 1st to Spring, north on Spring to the Plaza, down San Fernando Street, then on the viaduct built over the Southern Pacific tracks, and thence out Downey Avenue. The Boyle Heights line started on 7th Street at Alvarado, ran along 7th to Broadway, up Broadway to 1st, and east on that street to the junction of 1st and Chicago Streets. Quite a million dollars, it is said, was invested in the machinery and tracks, so soon to give away to the more practicable electric trolley trams to say nothing of the expenditures for rolling stock, and for the time being the local transportation problem seemed solved, although the cars first used were open, without glass windows, and the passengers in bad weather were protected only by curtains sliding up and down. To further celebrate the accomplishment, a banquet was given Colonel J.C. Robinson on December 18, 1889. Herman Silver, to whom I have just referred, had not only an interesting association as a friend of Lincoln, but was a splendid type of citizen. He achieved distinction in many activities, but especially as president of the city council. On November 4th, Bernard Cohn, one of the originators of Hellman, Haas & Company, now Haas, Baruch & Company, the well-known grocers, and a pioneer of 1856, died. During the late 70s and early 80s, he was a man of much importance, both as a merchant and a city father, sitting in the council of 1888 and becoming remarkably well read in the ordinances and decrees of the los angeles of his day like abbot kinney dr norman bridge an authority on tuberculosis came to sierra madre in search of health in 1890 lived for a while after that at pasadena and finally settled in los angeles five or six years after he arrived here dr bridge began to invest in californian and mexican oil and gas properties 
despite his busy life he has found time to further higher culture having served as trustee of the throop institute and as president of the southwest museum to both of which institutions he has made valuable contributions while he has published two scholarly volumes of essays and addresses thomas edward gibbon who since his arrival in eighteen eighty eight has influenced some of the most important movements for the benefit of los angeles and whose activities have been so diversified in eighteen ninety bought the daily herald becoming for several years the president of its organization and its managing editor during his incumbency gibbon filled the columns with mighty interesting reading after living in los angeles thirty years and having already achieved much i w hellman moved to san francisco on march second eighteen ninety and there reorganized the nevada bank still a resident of the northern city he has become a vital part of its life and preeminent in its financial affairs judge walter van dyke was here in the early fifties although it was some years before i knew him and i am told that at that time he almost concluded a partnership with judge hayes for the practice of law he was judge of the superior court when the city of los angeles claimed title while i was president of the temple block company to about nine feet of the north end of temple block the instigator of this suit was lewis mesmer who saw the advantage that would accrue to his property at the corner of main and Rakina streets if the square should be enlarged but we won the case a principal witness for us was jose mascarel and our attorneys were stephen m white and houghton silent and campbell my second experience with Judge Van Dyke was in 1899, when I bought a lot from him at Santa Monica. This attempt to enlarge the area at the junction reminds me of the days when the young folks of the neighborhood used to play tag and other games there. Baseball, here called town ball, was another game indulged in at that place. Temple Block came to be known as Lawyer's Block because the upper floors were largely given over to members of that profession and many of the attorneys I have had occasion to speak of as being here after our acquisition of the building had their headquarters there. Thus I became acquainted with Judge Charles Silent, who, like his partner Sherman Otis Houghton, hailed from San Jose in 1886, or possibly 1885, the two doubtless coming together. Judge Houghton brought with him a reputation for great physical and moral courage, and the two friends formed with Alexander Campbell, the law firm of Houghton, Silent, and Campbell judge charles silent a native of baden germany born stum a name english on naturalization father of edward d silent and father-in-law of frank j thomas once served as supreme court judge in arizona to which office he was appointed by president hayes and since his arrival here he has occupied a position of prime importance not only on account of his qualifications as an attorney but also through the invaluable service he has always rendered this community the judge now possesses a splendid orange orchard near the foothills where he is passing his declining years in the same way i had pleasant relations with the barrister c white mortimer for a long time the popular english vice-consul who came from toronto among other attorneys whom it was a pleasure to know were aurelius w hutton john d bicknell once a partner of stephen m white j h blanchard albert m stevens general john mansfield who, by the way, was the first lieutenant governor under the Constitution of 1879, Thomas B. Brown, district attorney from 1880 until 1882, Will D. Gould, Julius Brousseau, J.R. Deputy, twice district attorney, and General J.R. McConnell. Most of these gentlemen were here before 1880. On the 20th of January, 1889, M. L. Graff, a practicing attorney, reached Los Angeles, and until my family broke up housekeeping, he was a regular and welcome visitor in my home. 
ferdinand k rule came to southern california in eighteen ninety and soon after associated himself with the old los angeles terminal railroad he was a whole-souled generous man and was henceforth identified with nearly every movement for the welfare of his adopted city charles dudley warner the distinguished american author revisited los angeles in may eighteen ninety having first come here on horseback three years before while roughing it on a tour through california described in his book on horseback published in eighteen eighty eight on his second trip warner who was editor of harper's magazine came ostensibly in the service of the harpers that firm later issuing his appreciative and well illustrated volume our italy in which he suggested certain comparisons between southern california and southern europe but the Santa Fe Railroad Company, then particularly desirous of attracting Easterners to the coast, really sent out the author, footing most if not all of the bills. Mrs. Custer, widow of the general, was another guest of the Santa Fe, and she also wrote about Southern California for periodicals in the East. News of the death, in New York City, of General John C. Fremont was received here the day after, on July 14th, and caused profound regret. In the fall, Henry H. Markham stood for the governorship of California and was elected, defeating ex-Mayor Pond of San Francisco by a majority of about 8,000 votes, thereby enabling the Southland to boast of having again supplied the foremost dignity of the state. After several years of postgraduate study in higher institutions of learning in Germany, Leo Newmark, son of J.P. Newmark, in 1887 received his degree of Doctor of Medicine from the University of Strasbourg. He then served in leading European hospitals, returning in 1890 to his native city, San Francisco, where he has attained much more than local eminence in his specialty, the diseases of the nerves. The public pleasure grounds, later known as Hollenbeck Park, were given to the city in 1890-91 by William H. Workman and Mrs. J. E. Hollenbeck, Workman donating two-thirds and Mrs. Hollenbeck one-third of the land. Workman also laid out the walks and built the dam before the transfer to the city authorities. Mrs. Hollenbeck suggested the title Workman Hollenbeck Park, but Billy's proverbial modesty led him to omit his own name. About the same time, Mrs. Hollenbeck, recognizing the need of a refuge for worthy old people and wishing to create a fitting memorial to her husband, who had died in 1885, endowed the Hollenbeck home with thirteen and a half acres in the Boyle Heights district, to maintain which she deeded in trust to John D. Bicknell, John M. Elliott, Frank A. Gibson, charles l bachelor and j s chapman several valuable properties the most notable being the hollenbeck hotel and a block on broadway near seventh more than once i have referred to the chino ranch long the home of pioneer isaac williams in his most extravagant dreams he could not have foreseen that in the years eighteen ninety to ninety one there would grow on many of his broad acres the much-needed sugar beet nor could he have known that the first factory in the Southland to extract sugar from that source would be erected in a town bearing the name of Chino. The inauguration of this important activity in Southern California was due to Henry T. and Robert Oxnard, the last named then being engaged in sugar cane refining in San Francisco. Henry T., who had previously ventured in the beet sugar field in Nebraska, while on the coast was impressed with the possibilities in our soil and climate, and after a survey of the state, he reached the conclusion that of all California, the South offered the conditions most favorable to his plans. Accordingly, he entered into negotiations with Richard Gerd, then the owner of the Chino Ranch, who made some preliminary experiments, and the outcome was the factory started there in the season of 1890-91, to 91, 
under the superintendency of dr portius a german agricultural chemist in this initial enterprise the oxnards met with such success that they extended their operations in eighteen ninety eight establishing a second and larger factory in ventura county in what soon came to be called oxnard dr portius again taking charge five or six years after the oxnards opened their chino factory j ross clark and his brother senator william a clark commenced the erection of a plant at alamitos and in the summer of eighteen ninety seven the first beets there were sliced under the superintendency of g s dyer now in honolulu since then under a protective policy several more refineries have started up in the neighborhood of los angeles in january eighteen ninety one the home of peace society was organized by the hebrew ladies of los angeles largely through the exertions of mrs m kramer who was the first to conceive the idea of uniting jewish women for the purpose of properly caring for and beautifying the last resting place of their dead amos g throop of chicago more familiarly known among his friends and fellow citizens as father throop founded at pasadena in 1891 the institution at first called throop university and now known as the throop college of technology giving it two hundred thousand dollars and becoming its first president the next year when it was decided to specialize in manual training and polytechnic subjects the name was again changed remaining until 1913 throop polytechnic institute the southern california science association later called the southern california academy of science was organized in 1891 with dr a davidson as its first president and mrs mary e hart as secretary for five years it struggled for existence but having been reorganized and incorporated in 1896 it has steadily become a factor for intellectual progress the friday morning club began its existence in april 1891 as one of the social forces in the city many of the leading lecturers of the country finding a place on its platform and in 1899 the club built its present attractive home on figueroa street as far as i was familiar with the facts i have endeavored in these recollections to emphasize the careers of those who from little have builded much and quite naturally think of william dennison stevens whom i came to know through his association as a salesman from 1891 until 1902 with m a newmark and company after which he engaged with j e carr on broadway between sixth and seventh streets in the retail grocery business much of his success i attribute to honest steady purpose and a winning geniality by leaps and bounds stevens has advanced in 1907 to the presidency of the chamber of commerce in 1908 to the grand commandership of knights templars in california in 1909 to the mayorality of los angeles and in 1910 to one of the advisory committee for the building of the aqueduct at present he is the congressman from the 10th congressional district three years before congressman stevens entered the employ of the newmarks robert l craig had just severed his relations with them to form with r h howell of louisiana the third wholesale grocery house to come to los angeles in the course of a few years howell and craig sold out but craig being young and ambitious was not long in organizing another wholesale grocery known as craig and stewart which was succeeded by r l craig and company at craig's untimely death mrs craig a woman of unusual mental talent took the reins and as one of the few women wholesale grocers in the country has since guided the destinies of the concern still finding time in her arduous life to serve the public as a very wide awake member of the board of education four other names of those once associated with my successors and who have been instrumental in establishing important commercial houses here are p a a brother of m a newmark 
e j levy frank humphreys now deceased and d Webers. the first named for some years connected with brownstein newmark and lewis now brownstein and lewis inaugurated and is at the head of p a newmark and company while levy humphreys and Webers incorporated the standard wooden ware company in 1891 the terminal railroad was completed from los angeles to east san pedro and rapid connection was thus established between pasadena and the ocean the accomplishment being celebrated on november 14th by an excursion the road ran via long beach and rattlesnake later known as terminal island a place that might become it was hoped the terminus of one of the great transcontinental railroads and since the island is now at the end of the san pedro los angeles and salt lake railroad that hope has been realized it was in connection with this railway enterprise that long beach made the great mistake of giving away the right of thoroughfare along her ocean front end of chapter thirty nine